0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Happy Mother's Day, you guys. Um, I wanted to let you know that I consider it a great privilege to be able to share the word of god with you guys i don't take it lightly um and when i whenever i prepare a message it always changes me but i want you to know that god has you in mind so when i'm preparing for these messages i pray and i ask god what what do people at our church need to hear so just know that god has you in mind whenever you hear a message from this stage from anybody but it's Mother's Day, and I thought it was really appropriate that we're still in the interruptible series because there's no other people on the planet that are interrupted more than moms. Right? And we've got, I have two pictures to prove my point. Oh, the first one. You got, how many of you had this happen? It still happens. My kids are 12 and 7, and they still find me in the bathroom. But when you have kids, you will it will be years and years before you have privacy in the bathroom again. And then the next one. Oh, you guys, I know that's a phone from 1978, <laughs> but it proves my point. Isn't it true? Like, your kids can be angels, behaving, doing their homework quietly, watching TV quietly. The moment you get on the phone, someone needs a snack, There's a fight, a butt needs wiped, something (laughs) happens. But honestly, whether you're a mom or a dad or just a living, breathing human being, I think in today's world, most of us do not handle being interrupted very well because we get annoyed. We're annoyed when our plans are interrupted. We're annoyed when our comfort is interrupted. And it's sad because... Most of the time, the interruptions involve people. So basically, we're annoyed with people all the time. It's not a good thing, because that's what the world is made of. Beth Moore, who's a Bible teacher, she said this. She said, annoyance is a form of pride, of course. It's arrogance with a side helping of impatience. Both quench the spirit, and both look ugly on us. Annoyance is pride. Impatience. It's actually the complete opposite of how God God would want us to behave and live our Christian life. But the problem is that most of us live super fast-paced lives. Our schedules are jam-packed, and we don't have time to be interrupted. And I have to tell you, that's not a good thing. But somewhere over the years, even as Christians, we've come to believe that busyness equals fruitfulness. And that's a lie. So here's a good test. Here's a good question to ask yourself. In your busyness, are you still experiencing the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5, through 23 says, The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or is your busyness sucking the life right out of you? Are you short with people? Are you annoyed with people? Are you so overwhelmed all the time you just can't be bothered? And if you said yes to those things, and there's something missing in your life, because listen, God's work, God's busyness brings fullness, it brings joy, and it actually it will reveal purpose in your life. So, are you busy with your own work, or are you busy with God's work? Because God has work for you to do. And listen, I'm not just talking about serving in the church or volunteering at a homeless shelter or anything like that. Because all of that can become fruitless busyness. What I'm saying is that in your busyness, when you're dealing with your own life circumstances, are you still interruptible? Are you still open to the leadings and the guidance of God? Because you guys, that's where the fruit is when he is in our busyness. Psalm 37.5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Galatians 5.25 says, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Because listen, if you're being led by the spirit of God in every part of your life, then you will be interruptible by God. So you might have your day planned out. You might have your week planned out. Maybe you're the type of person, and I know these people, they have their whole whole year mapped out. But if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you'll be okay when your plans are interrupted. Now, there's also disruptions in our life. And I believe that disruptions come from the enemy, and we have to be able to know the difference. And the reason I think that is because The definition of disruption is to break apart or throw into disorder. And you guys, God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. He'll actually take the disorder in your life and bring order to it and cause it to fall in alignment with his will for your life. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order and peace. But that's for another message. So we're talking about interruptions. And one of the definitions I found for interruption is temporary cessation, intermission, or suspension. So it's these things that come up that cause us to have to pause what we're doing and turn our focus into a different direction, often in the direction of a person or people. Like you might literally have to pause your TV show. You might have to clean your house next week instead of this week. Maybe you'll have to work out later. Maybe it's something where you're actually going to have to reschedule or postpone, you know, a camping trip or a hunting trip. Kip, I'm sorry. (laughs) And sometimes, actually, a lot of times, it means that you might have to lay aside your own pain and your own trials so that God can interrupt you with someone else's pain and trials. Because he has something to say or do through you. I heard someone say that if God can get it through you, he will also bring it to you. And I thought that was so good, you guys. When we can take our eyes off of ourselves for just a minute and actually invest in someone else, a lot of times we receive blessings as well. But pain... And struggles can be a huge obstacle in our lives because oftentimes our own pain blinds us from seeing anybody else's pain. And in order to be interruptible, we have to take our eyes off of ourselves. We have to stop looking down. We have to lift our heads and look up to see God's interruptions. I love the part of the definition for interruption that says an intermission because an intermission means the show will go on because the pause is temporary. God is not trying to shut down your plans or your activity. He's not trying to overlook or ignore the pain you're going through. He's just trying to use you in the midst of it. And I wonder how much we're missing because, number one, we don't allow ourselves to be interrupted because we're so busy or because of our own pain blinding us. And number two, when we are interrupted, we view it as a hindrance instead of an opportunity. And we've got to change our perspective because many times the interruptions that God brings into your life are actually appointments, divine appointments, right? One that wasn't on your calendar, but it's been on God's schedule for your life since he formed you in the womb. Chris shared a few weeks ago in his message that the interruption is your inheritance. Gary shared last week that sometimes interruptions turn obstacles into opportunities, trials into triumphs, and the unexpected into the unprecedented. That was so good, Gary. So I want to look to our example. I want to look to the one that models this whole idea of living an interruptible life. And of course, that's Jesus. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to give you a second to get there. And we're going to start in verse three. So we're going to look at the story of the beheading of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist and Jesus were more than likely cousins. And the prophet Isaiah actually prophesied about John the Baptist over 700 years before he was even born. And it says in Isaiah, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And that's what John the Baptist did. He was preparing the way for Jesus to come onto the scene. And I think that he was really the first committed and devoted follower of Jesus. But let's look at this. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him, so he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother." Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. You guys, sometimes we forget that Jesus was a human being with real emotions, real feelings, real needs in his life. And he needed to get away because he needed to grieve, he needed to cry, he needed to pray and meet with his father. He needed that time alone. But then it goes on to say, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I love that sorrow did not stop him from seeing others. I love that even in the midst of his grief, he was still interruptible. And I want to tell you something about grief today. And I felt like God said this is a word for someone today grief does not define you grief is something that you experience and that's okay you've probably heard that saying that says grief is a process but i have to tell you guys from my own experience that i don't think that's true because a process is something that eventually ends grief does not end it's something that you'll experience if you've lost someone you love if you've gone through any kind of loss We're always going to feel that grief as long as we're on this side of heaven, and that's okay. Grief is not a bad thing until it becomes the only thing. You can be grieving, but still keep your head up. You can be grieving, but still lift your eyes up to the comforter, to the counselor. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So you have to keep your head up for God to lead you. And it goes back to that verse, Galatians 5.25. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And if grief is part of your life, it means that part too. But you guys, we can't see where he's leading us if we're always looking down. You can't see the opportunities that he's putting right in front of you if you're always looking down. Jesus Kept his eyes up. He kept his head up towards his father, off of himself. And that's what stood out to me in in verse 14. It says, Jesus saw the crowd. He saw them. So here he is trying to get away, to be alone, to grieve this horrible loss of his cousin, of his friend. And he was still able to see other people. How? Because he was being led by the Spirit. You can't look down if you're being led by someone because you're not going to know where they're going. And really, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was never looking down. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. See, he kept his head up the whole time because he knew it was always about what was right in front of him. We're so focused on looking down at our own feet and our own circumstances that we don't even see the people that God's putting right in front of us. And then it says he had compassion on them. So you have to see people, really see them, before you have compassion for anybody. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And then jumping down to verse 4, it says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. But so many of us are not able to see others the way God wants us to because we're so overwhelmed with our own life circumstances, with our own pain, with our own junk. And listen to me. The devil absolutely loves it when your eyes are inward, when they're not out on the Lord. Because what happens then is we become really susceptible to his lies. And believe me, he will start lying to you. He will tell you that what you're experiencing limits you. Then we start believing that God cannot use us right where we're at, right? And we start feeling sorry for ourselves. We're like, you know, I've got so much pain in my life. I have so many struggles. There's no point in looking up. God can't use me anyway. Who are we to tell God what he can use and what he can't? We think our weaknesses prevent God from using us when, in fact, he loves to reveal his power when we're weak. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So this is where Paul was praying. He prayed three times for God to take away the thorn in his flesh. And we don't know exactly what that thorn was. Was it an actual thorn in his flesh? I don't know. Was it some sort of physical ailment, emotional, mental But he prayed three times for God to take it away. And it says, each time God said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I think that's amazing. That God's power works best when we are weak. But we let our weaknesses, our pain, our grief, our stress, whatever is going on in your life, we let all that stuff shout so much louder than the truth of God. We let our weaknesses have power over us instead of allowing God to have power through them, and that's exactly what he wants to do. And let me tell you something, if you're waiting until your life is perfect or until you're not struggling with anything, until you start believing that God can use you for his purposes right where you're at, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the opportunities, you're going to miss the interruptions, and you don't want to miss it. Just one small recent example of this in my own life is a few months ago, um, Brennan and Joel and I and my sister were out to eat lunch, and about halfway through the meal, Joel's eyes got real big, and he was feeling sick to his stomach. So he ran to the bathroom, and we were back there forever. Finally, he was puking. And I noticed um, one of the employees come in, and she was crying, and she was dabbing her eyes. But I'm dealing with Joel, right, who I'm already worried about because he's a type 1 diabetic, so I'm thinking, great, his blood sugar is going to be crazy. It might be hard to control or whatever. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, say something to her. And I was thinking, really? I've got a puking kid here. And so I did, and I said, are you okay? And she said, yes. And I thought, okay, good. And I got back to Joel. I know. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, Ask her again. And so I asked her again. I said, Are you sure you're okay? And she said, she didn't share a lot of details, but she said it's there's some really hard things going on at home, and I'm just not sure how to handle them. And so as Joel is barfing, I asked if I could pray for this woman. And I prayed for her right there in the bathroom. And after we were done, she lit up and she thanked me and she was so appreciative. And she said, I have no doubt I was supposed to meet you today. And those are the things, you guys, that God wants to interrupt us with every single day. But we have to see people. We have to stop looking down. Because we'll miss it if we're so focused on our own circumstances, which I could have easily been in that moment, right? I could have kept looking down at poor puking Joel and missed... An opportunity that God wanted to use me in and I don't know exactly why or if it was because I was obedient but you know what Joel was fine the rest of the day he was fine and sometimes we have to consider that is our obedience part of our healing so let me ask you something how good are you at seeing other people like really seeing them, noticing their needs, noticing their struggles. Because I guarantee that every single one of you here today is dealing with something difficult on some level. But the question is, are you letting your stress, your busyness, your grief, your problems at home stop you from being interruptible? Because if you are, then I would guess that you're lacking in the compassion department as well. And compassion is a key component to living this Christian life. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You guys, we're supposed to be sharing each other's burdens, lifting each other up, encouraging one another, crying with one another when we experience loss or whatever. But we don't even know what each other's burdens are because we're so busy looking down at our own feet and our own circumstances. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. It's important to let God comfort you. That's why we have to keep our eyes on him. But compassion is not something we see a whole lot of in today's world because we're so wrapped up in ourselves, worried about ourselves. For instance, take a minute And just imagine that you were in that same position that Jesus was when he'd got to the shoreline, right? He's needing some time to himself, needs time to grieve. He gets to the shore, and he sees this huge crowd. Pretend that was you. What would your first reaction have been? Probably like mine, I would have dove back into the boat, hoping that nobody saw me, pushed off, to go back to the other side. And if someone did see me, I would have been like, I forgot my purse, I'll be back later, and I would have never shown back up. But we do that, don't we? We turn away from people. We run away from people. Why do we do that? Because when you make everything about you, you'll only see what you have to offer someone. And I don't know about you, but I do not have a lot to offer anyone in my own strength. But it's not about what we have to offer someone. It's about what God has to offer through us but we so often turn away from people. And that was never, ever an example that Jesus set for us. He was always going towards people, even when it was probably hard for him. I mean, in this situation that Jesus was in, just after hearing this horrible news, needing some time to himself, he could have seen those crowds and said, you know what, I don't have time for this. I cannot be interrupted right now. So they're either going to have to wait or, or come back another day. But he didn't do that. Let's look at the rest of this. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Okay, so you know what comes next, right? This is where Jesus performed the amazing miracle of turning those 5 loaves of bread and 2 fish into enough to feed thousands and thousands of people. The interruption was an opportunity to display the goodness and the glory of God. He could have ignored the crowds, he had a reason to. He could have went about his plan to go have some time alone, but he was being led by the spirit of God and the interruption turned into a miracle. And the best part is about the story is that it was just an intermission. It was just a pause because, listen, we have a God who loves us. We have a good, good father, and he knows what we need, and he knew what Jesus needed. The interruption was not meant to keep Jesus from grieving. In fact, Jesus still got his time alone. A few verses later, after all the people had eaten, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. He still got his time alone. But notice also, it says Jesus dismissed the crowd himself. He dismissed them. You know why? Because Jesus was not in a hurry. If he was, he could have had the disciples dismiss the crowd. He could have been like, I'm gonna get back, you know, to having my time alone. But this is showing us that during this intermission, during this interruption, Jesus was fully present in it. He wasn't thinking about himself, he wasn't trying to hurry up the process to get back to his plans. And I think we do that. We think that we're handling interruptions in our life really well when, in fact, the whole time we're being interrupted, we think things like, you know, man, I wish this guy would shut up. My food's getting cold. Or gosh, I wish that, you know, I wish she would wrap this up because my baby's going to start crying any second. Or man, I wish they wouldn't have stopped by. I have a lot I need to do today. So we're not fully present in it. And we miss so much of what God wants to do or say in those moments because we're so self-focused. And if anyone had a reason to be self-focused, it was Jesus. If anyone had a lot going on in his life, it was Jesus. If anybody had a reason to say, you know what, this isn't a good time. I can't be interrupted because I've got something I'm focusing on. It's called the cross. Got to prepare for that right? He had a lot of good excuses not to be interruptible. But for some reason, we have this idea that Jesus didn't deal with stress, that he had no emotional struggles in his life, which is not true. You guys, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. In fact, towards the beginning of his ministry, he started to predict his own suffering and death. So for years, he was mentally and emotionally dealing with and processing All of that information, what was going to happen to him on the way to the cross and upon the cross. That would have been enough to take me out. I would have just laid down and died. I could not have had that knowledge and kept living. (laughs) Can you imagine having that foretelling knowledge and continuing to be interruptible, continuing to be able to see other people and their needs and their pain in the middle of all of your own? That's exactly what Jesus did. We have to stop living like we're disqualified because we're struggling with something. We have to stop thinking that if we're stressed out or if we have problems at home or work or whatever, that God can't use us right where we're at. That we can't still experience the fruitfulness of God and the goodness of God in our lives and share it with others. If hearing from God or being used by God or experiencing the goodness of God in my life was based on whether or not I was ever stressed out, grieving, going through trials, I would never hear from him. I would never be used by him. But I praise him and I thank him that he uses imperfect people with imperfect lives. He uses our suffering and our pain and our struggles to show his power so that he can be glorified. So when we're going through things where we start to feel like those circumstances, no matter how heavy they are, are starting to pull our eyes down, where we're starting to focus on that only, we literally have to stop and say, no, I am not going to cast my eyes down. I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to lift my eyes. I'm going to commit it all to God. I'm going to let his spirit lead me so I can stay interruptible, so I can stay in a place where God can use me, even though it's hurting right now in my own life. And Jesus is a great example to look to. He shows us that you can be going through something really difficult and still be used by God, still allow his spirit to lead you when you commit everything to him. And I want to give you an example of the stress that Jesus dealt with. Luke chapter 22. Starting in verse 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Hematidrosis is a condition in which capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood, occurring under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. Jesus literally sweat drops of blood because he was under extreme Amounts of stress. And yet he stayed interruptible. He stayed interruptible all the way to the cross and even upon the cross. Luke chapter 23 two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus replied, excruciating pain, barely able to breathe, beaten beyond recognition, and he still allowed himself to be interrupted. Because he never stopped seeing people. He's never stopped seeing people, including you, including me. And if you've allowed your own life to be interrupted by the cross, and you follow Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you, And you are called to live a life that is interruptible so that God can use you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You might have marriage problems, and you think you can't help anybody else that might be having marriage problems. It's not true because it's not about you. It's about God using you to encourage. But if you keep looking down at your own feet, at your own circumstances, then that's where you're going to stay because that's all you'll see. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss the interruptions and the opportunities that God has in store for you, because you're going to find this. You're going to find that when you allow yourself to be interrupted by God and be and used by God to encourage someone, you will also be encouraged. You'll find that when God uses you to bring an answered prayer into someone's life, you will also receive an answered prayer. You'll find that when God uses you to bring healing into someone's life, he'll bring healing into your own life. You'll find that when God uses you to help pull somebody back up who's fallen, that you will also find the strength to keep getting back up. You guys, I think that the interruptions in our lives are often how God gets us to keep moving forward. It's how he draws us closer to him. It's where he reveals himself to us. It's where we get a glimpse of his glory and his goodness, which then gives us the hope and the strength to keep running the race that's set before us. And when I think of a race, of course, I think of a bunch of runners, and the interruptions are the people along the way that are holding out the glasses of water, right? We could choose to completely stay focused on our race and on our path and keep our eyes down at where our feet are hitting the pavement, never noticing the people along the way who are actually holding something that we ourselves need. And eventually, we get thirsty, and we start slowing down. Eventually, we're in such need of a drink that we stop running altogether. And there's people all around you shouting for your attention, trying to interrupt you. Hey, I've got what you need. But because we're not looking up, we're going to miss it. And you don't want to miss it. So as we close today, I I want you to shut your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself, Am I interruptible? I want you to think for a minute about how you handle interruptions in your life. And I want you to ask yourself if you are in a place where you're letting the Spirit of God lead you in every part of your life or have the circumstances of your life become so heavy that you can't even keep your head up. You can't lift your head up. It's not where God wants you to be, you guys. So if you're feeling that way, if you feel like the things of your life have become so heavy that you can't be used by God, that you can't see anyone else, I want to pray for you. And I I am going to ask you to come forward if that's you because I think that there's healing in that. I think there's answers to prayer when you can take a physical step forward showing God that you're serious that you want this change to happen so Lord thank you thank you that you're with us that you never leave us thank you that you are a God who is not only interruptible but who allows us to interrupt you who uses us who interrupts us with the things and the plans that you have for our lives and lord i pray for anyone here today who is feeling like the circumstances of their life are so heavy that they can't look up that they can't see other people god i pray that you would show them that that's not true i pray that they would open their hearts and their eyes to start seeing the people and the situations you're putting right in front of them that you want to use them in, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.